Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, this is Kieran Tierney. Welcome to the latest edition of Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal vs Olympiakos. UEFA Europa League Round of 32 Second Leg. Thursday, February 27th, 2020, 8pm. Contents. Head coach, Mikel Arteta. Captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Academy, part one. Academy, part two. Player feature, Nicotero. Match report, Olympiakos versus Arsenal. UEFA Europa League, round of 32, first leg. History, triumph and tragedy. 35 years in the community. Visitors, Olympiakos. My story. At home with Emmy Martinez. Match report. Arsenal vs Everton. Premier League. Match day 27. My Arsenal. Teams. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online, and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mikel Arteta, the head coach on keeping up the momentum 
as we aim for the last 16. Tonight is all about getting into the last 16 of the Europa League. We're in a really positive moment right now, as we're unbeaten in 2020, and we've won each of our last three games, so I want us to continue on this path and maintain those standards tonight. A lot of things can happen in football over two months, and I think it's possible that in all different areas of the club right now, the team is progressing really well. I think the club is looking in a better place, and we are getting much more unity in all sections in the club. The way that all of you, the fans, are supporting the team at the moment is really good, not just at home, away as well. We're building a different chemistry at the moment, and it's good to have you behind us, supporting us all the way. We're getting a great energy back from you. And there's a lot of positive things for us to enjoy, but we're far from done, so far from done. It's a long list of things for us to improve, individually and collectively, as a club. And we are in the process at the moment, looking back on the first leg. I was very pleased with the performance in general, apart from the last 10 minutes when we had some issues in controlling the game, defensively and in the final third. There were some situations when we gave the ball away in difficult areas and we could have progressed our play and become dangerous but apart from that, the team played with a lot of personality in a very different stadium against a good opponent with a great home record. Being able to get a way goal win, that was a big, big positive for us and it was an incredible atmosphere over there and all the Olympicanos fans should be very proud of what they have in that club. We have a fantastic atmosphere here in the UK, but that support was the least as good, or even better, as many stadiums in the Premier League. And it does affect you. Football is about emotion, and it has transmits to the players, and the crowd, and that energy, and it's not easy for the opponents. But, as I said in my last notes, we played with a big heart in that first leg, and we defended well as a team. The wide players before used to have very different behaviours, but now they're tracking back and helping everybody when they need it. I think they are doing a lot of work to try and stay as compact as possible in many situations when we don't have it, but I am pleased with that because it's a big part of the way that we want to play. But this tonight's second leg will be a completely different for the Olympiacos mentally. Their mindset will be different because now... They simply have to come and win the game, and they have to score goals. They will have to come at us, and I'm sure that they will have a plan to put us in some difficult situations. With us having the advantage of an away goal, the dynamic of the game is completely different at the first leg. As for what I'm expecting from them, tactically, we've done a lot of analysis, and we know that they want to be physically dominant and in charge of the game. From the attacking side, they're really well organised. And they're very good at putting teams under pressure. That's the team I'm expecting to face. And that's exactly what I don't want to happen tonight. We're all focused on the task in hand. I mean what I say when I tell you Europa League is very important competition for us. It gives us a chance to play in the Champions League next year. But also to win a trophy itself. It's a big challenge. Every game is difficult and it's great to go away to the stadiums like we did last week in Athens. My team selection for every game is always based on what I see in training. The workload of the players 
and what I want them to do against the opponent. And that is how I will select my team again tonight. We have three different routes open to us to get back into Europe next season. We have to try and maximise all three of them. And we will take this game by game. That's all we can do at the moment because the objectives are still so far behind. Thanks for your support again at the weekend. Enjoy the match. Pierre Emerick Obama Yang. It's been a productive few days for our top scoring skipper. Welcome back to Emirates just four days after our epic win against Everton in the Premier League. It was a very important win, and I loved the atmosphere in the ground on Sunday. We came back, took the lead twice, and resisted at the end to get the three points. And we were able to do that because we could feel the support from you, the fans. Conceding a goal in the first minute was tough, but what I really liked from the boys was our reaction. We didn't panic, we didn't give up, and instead we went again. We showed character, determination, and played some really good football. And when we had to dig deep at the end, we did. I told you in previous notes how much we benefited from the training camp in Dubai in the winter break. In terms of togetherness and team spirit, it has had a really positive effect on us, and we saw that on Sunday. When you fight like this and get three important points, it makes you really happy. It was a game we had to win, and we delivered. I was delighted with my two goals. The header was nice because I have been working on my aerial game. I know I can score more with my head. I netted some nice ones in Dortmund in the air, for example. But it is good to work on something during the week and then getting the benefits by scoring at the weekend. I will take you through how that goal happened. When Nico had the ball on the right, I initially thought he might cross it first time, so I made a run for that. Then, when I saw that he took a touch, I had to change my movement. We looked at each other, and I pointed with my finger where I wanted the ball. He gave me a perfect cross, and I just had to place my header where I wanted. The understanding we had on this goal was great. It was a similar understanding with David Lewis too on my second goal. One of the advantages of playing on the left-hand side is that I can make those diagonal runs which are very difficult for the defenders to defend. I'm on the move towards their goal and they are going backwards. David's pass was perfect and once I was through I knew I would score. I knew it 100%. I don't even look if there is another option. I have only one thing in my head, scoring. And because Pickford is still quite far from me, I know the best option is to open my foot like I did, a la Thierry Henry. Had Pickford been closer to me, I would have maybe decided to dribble him or to chip him. But with the difference between us, that finish was the best. And it is also nice to get the comparison with Titi and the tribute. I saw a lot of photo montages as well between my goals and some he scored. It was his style, and I think it inspired a lot of strikers. Talking of strikers, what a magnificent finish by Eddie on Sunday. 
It is even more enjoyable to see a goal like this at his age. It was a great cross by Bukayo, and the way Eddie stayed in the air and made perfect connection with the ball was brilliant. He has the goal in him. Like Gabby, he is learning fast. They are really good kids. They listen and observe. Laka and I don't have to say too much. They just observe a lot at training and then reproduce it in the games. Tonight will be a tough match again. Olympiakos are a good team with a nice style of football. Even if they lost Daniel Podence in January, who went to Wolves, they still have great players like Mathieu Valbuena. He is the one who can cause us problems. I know him well, and we had a chat after the first leg. Even at 35, he has still got it. I was also impressed by their midfielder, Gil Herm, as well, last week. But we have a 1-0 lead after the first game, where we fought really hard to get the win. We will fight again tonight, especially at home and with your support. The Europa League is a big objective for us this season, so this is a very important game. There is another huge game coming up for the club on Saturday. It is the Continental Cup final between our women's side and Chelsea's. I really hope the girls can bring the trophy home. They have a great team, and I hope Viviane and Lisa will do our celebration again, because it would mean that they have scored. They really need all our support. If you can, try and get to the game to support them on the day, but also send them as many positive vibes as you can before it as well. Enjoy the game tonight and the one on Saturday, and let's make it a great week for the club. Come on, Arsenal! Voice of Arsenal Europa League lowdown We head into tonight's clash with Olympiakos boasting a slender one-goal lead but do you know what would happen if we lost 1-0 or when the draw for the last 16 will take place listen to find out Unsurprisingly, the team that scores more goals over the two legs advances to the next round, and if the aggregate score is level after both legs, the away goals rule is applied. If away goals are also equal, then extra time, an additional 30 minutes, is played. The away goals rule is again used as a tiebreaker after extra time. If there are goals scored during extra time, and the aggregate score is still level, the visiting team advances by virtue of more away goals scored. If no goals are scored during extra time, the winners are decided by a penalty shootout. The team that scores more penalties from five attempts each wins. If the two teams are still tied after five attempts, they continue to alternate until one team scores their penalty and the other does not. The winner's name will go into the hat for the last 16 draw, taking place at UEFA's headquarters in Neil, Switzerland, tomorrow. The draw is set to start at 12pm and will be streamed live on UEFA's website. From the round of 16 onwards, there are no seedings and teams from the same group or same association can be paired with one another. The team drawn first will play the first leg at home, unless rearranged by UEFA. New dates for your diary. 
The following games have been rescheduled as a result of TV selections. Wolves vs Arsenal, Monday, April the 13th. Originally, Saturday, April the 11th. Kick-off 8pm, live on Sky Sports. Arsenal vs Leicester City, Saturday, April the 18th. Kick-off 5.30pm, originally 3pm. Live on Sky Sports. This game is subject to our continued participation in the Europa League and or FA Cup. Tottenham vs Arsenal, Sunday, April the 26th, originally Saturday, April the 25th. Kick-off 4.30pm, live on Sky Sports. This game is subject to Tottenham's continued participation in the Champions League. The standard TV selections have now been made up to and including April the 27th. Ordinarily, fixtures up to this date will not now change. However, as ever, all fixtures remain subject to change and circumstances may yet arise which result in further fixture changes. Above and beyond. Taking home a fabulous Adidas hoodie for his excellent programme selling at our last match was Thomas Bifsin. Thanks for your amazing efforts, Thomas. And for some reason, we're blaming Christmas. We didn't tell you that our superseller at the Manchester United game was Anna Sotman, who's won our above and beyond before because he's such a fantastic purveyor of programmes. Anas also claimed an Adidas hoodie for his efforts. Half a million milestone. Last week against Everton, we celebrated saving half a million single-use plastic cups from going to landfill, which stanked up would equal the same height as 39,801 per metasackers. In partnership with local company Camden Town Brewery, we became the first Premier League club to introduce a reusable cup scheme last season, which now saves approximately 20,000 cups per game. The scheme has received great backing from supporters who have utilised the purpose-built collection points around Emirates Stadium to ensure each cup reaches its maximum life of 200 uses. Commented Friends of the Earth Plastics campaigner Tony Bosworth It's fantastic that Arsenal's reusable cup scheme has already prevented hundreds of thousands of disposable plastic cups being landfilled or incinerated. Plastic pollution blights our planet and threatens our wildlife, so it's great to see Arsenal showing leadership on this crucial issue. We hope more clubs will give single-use plastic the boot. Our deputy stadium manager, Michael Lloyd, added, We are delighted to have saved half a million cups with Camden Town Brewery. Alongside the removal of plastic straws and stirrers at Emirates Stadium, this milestone exemplifies how small operational changes can have a huge environmental impact over a sustained period. The reaction from our fans towards the scheme has been overwhelmingly positive and their support has played a huge part in helping us to reach this milestone. We are proud to lead the way in sustainability among Premier League clubs. A recent study by BBC Sport and the United Nations-backed Sport Positive Summit saw the club finish top of the league, scoring eight points, the maximum available. Working with Octopus Energy, we were the first Premier League club to switch to 100% green electricity in 2017. Emirates Stadium also recycles 80% of matchday waste, 
with all the collected food waste sent to an anaerobic digestion plant. Picture of the week in the hard copy. Memories of Charlie. Stuart Taylor, author of the acclaimed Stuck in a Moment biography of Paul Weissen, is in the process of writing a book about Charlie Nicholas, and he'd like your help. He would love to hear your memories of Charlie, particularly if you were at his most memorable matches, such as his debut against Luton in August 1983, his goal-scoring feats against Tottenham that 1983-84 season, and especially the 1987 Littlewood Cup final. Maybe you are one of the boys on this fantastic picture. Any contributions for inclusion in the book should be sent directly to Stuart via email to stuarttaylor03 at hotmail.co.uk. Injury Update Beth Mead Beth Mead sustained a knee injury during our Women's Super League fixture against Liverpool on February the 13th and scans have since confirmed that she's injured her MCL. She has already started her rehabilitation with the club and is expected to be back and available for selection later in the season. This injury has unfortunately prevented Beth from being available for selection for the 2020 She Believes Cup. Everyone at the club wishes Beth a speedy recovery. Prog Fact Season 1998-99 proved something of a culture shock for the Arsenal programme team. It was our first season in the Champions League, and all 64 pages had to be signed off by UEFA before they could be printed. In addition, a bespoke cover had to be produced for each issue, which, as you can see in the hard copy, was very different from the general cover that season. Our first match playing under the new rules was against Olympiakos Greek rivals, Panathinaikos. Ref Watch Our referee this evening is David Massa from Imperia, Italy. The 38-year-old has been a FIFA referee since 2014 and is ranked as a UEFA first category official. Massa began officiating in Serie A back in 2011, with his first match being between Florentina and Lecce. He's since taken charge of a number of high-profile fixtures, including the 2017 Supercoppa Italiana between Juventus and Lazio. Massa is experienced in European competitions too, having officiated a total of 18 Europa League fixtures and seven Champions League fixtures. Tonight's clash isn't the first time Massa's officiated us either. The Italian took charge of our 3-0 away win over Carabank last season, in addition to our 3-0 away win over Frankfurt in September. Assistant Filippo Melli and Alberto Tagoni will accompany Massa to Emirates Stadium, while Piero Ghiacciomelli has been named as the fourth official. Michael Fabri is the VAR, with Stefano Alassio as assistant VAR. The Addy Years our first European goal in Adidas was in the away kit at home. In the days when the home team had to change if there was a kit clash, Arsenal's 1991-92 European Cup campaign started with a thumping 6-1 win over Austria Memphis at Highbury on September 18, 1991. First goalscorer in the bruised banana was a rather unlikely one, central defender Andy Linigan. Reported. 
Discriminatory chanting and antisocial behaviour is offensive to all fans and not tolerated. If you witness any form of offensive behaviour, you can report it to a steward or use our See Something Say Something service by texting FOUL to 67777 together with the description of the incident. We are proud of the diverse nature of our team, our fans and wider community. Thank you for your support. Emirates Stadium is going cashless from Sunday 1st of March. To enhance efficiency and improve your matchday experience, all bars, kiosks, programme sellers and retail outlets inside the stadium will accept card payment only. This applies to matchday and non-matchday events. Programmes can still be paid for with cash outside the ground and in the Arsenal shops. Youth team take on Blackburn. Following their hard-fought 4-3 win over Brighton, the Arsenal under-18s travel to Blackburn for the quarter-finals of the prestigious competition. The match takes place on Friday, March the 6th, kick-off 7pm. For anyone wanting to make the trip to the northwest, admission prices are £4 for adults and £2 for concessions. Hewitt Park is a happy hunting ground for the Gunners. It's where we lifted the 2001 trophy following a 3-1 defeat against Blackburn. Fortunately, we'd won the first leg 5-0. Arsenal Academy Young Gun Ryan Alebuzu Around the Academy Burton on the move Remember Ilias Chatsi Theodoris Young Gun Ryan Alibusu Talking to Aidan Small The Basics Born Camden December the 17th 2001 Joined Arsenal at under 8 level Height and weight 184 cm 70 kg Position Right Winger School St Aloysius College it was an incredible experience being part of the under-18 squad that won the league last season. It was hard making the step up from the under-16s at the time, but I feel like it's improved me a lot and raised my game. Especially now when I look back at some of the players who were involved in that title-winning season, like Bukayo Saka, Tyrese John-Jules and Polarin Balogun. Being around players of such high quality has been great for my development because it makes you compete even harder and strive to be better than them in training. Last season I played a bit part role in the squad, coming off the bench and helping out here and there, and I think that really helped me because it gave me a greater understanding of what's expected from me. It allowed me to soak up as much information as possible and helped me to be ready for this season, where I've started almost every game. I'm proud of how I've performed so far for the under-18s, but I know that I've got more to give. I just need to stay focused and keep working hard, and maybe then I'll be rewarded with my first pro contract. As a team, I think we had some issues at the start of the season, and we needed some time to iron them out. It took us until January to really find our flow and click as a team, and I think the FA Youth Cup has played a big part in that. We were all different ages, and above all else, I think we were lacking communication on the field. We've improved that a lot since the start of the season, 
and we're all really comfortable with each other now. Annoyingly, I'm out injured at the moment, but it's only short term. I twisted my ankle against Chelsea recently, and it felt fine in the build-up to our game against Norwich, but when I crossed the ball, I twisted it again. It's a little annoying, as I always hate missing out on training and game time. But I should be back in action this week. Just before I picked up that injury, I made my debut for the under-23s, and that was an incredible experience. It's a big step up from the under-18s, with the tempo and physicality going to another level. But I was so happy to make my debut, and now I'm desperate to stay involved. It was probably the highlight of my career so far. It's another step up for me, and I just want to keep making those positive steps forward. One important part of moving forward and improving is watching the first team and learning from all the little things they do. I'm quite a versatile player, and I think my strongest attributes are my link-up play, crossing and movement, so there's a number of first team players I look up to. As a right-back, I look up to Hector Bellerin but also Ainsley Maitland-Niles because it's his versatility and the fact he came through the ranks in the academy too. I've joined in with first team training a few times now, and as a winger, there's a lot of things about Nicolas Pepe that I really admire too. There's something to learn from everyone in the first team. Ryan Alebiosu The Lowdown Earliest memory of football Playing football outside my house in the park with my brothers who got me into football, my brother. First footballer I looked up to, Thierry Henry. Team I supported growing up, Arsenal. Biggest influence, my dad. Best goal of all time, Roberto Carlos free kick versus France. Best goal I've ever scored, a volley against QPR at under 13. Who I combined best with, Alfie Matthews. Best moment of my career so far. Under 23 debut. Sing one song to save my life. NBA young boy. Another sport I'm good at. Table tennis. About me. Favourite footballer of all time. Cristiano Ronaldo. Favourite musician. Lil Baby. Player I look up to the most. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Best footballing attribute. Crossing. Favourite trainers, Nike. Favourite pre-match song, Dar Baby, B.O.P. One thing I want to do in Korea, be at a high level. Favourite TV series, Power. Great cheat meal, Nando's. Round the Academy, Best Touch, Miguel Aziz. Most Committed, Ben Cottrell. Would-be Best Manager, Matthew Dennis. Strongest, Matthew Dennis. Captain Material, Matthew Dennis. Passing Range, Miguel Aziz. Most Skills, Bukeo Saka. Best Singer, Matthew Dennis. Rate Yourself. Pace, 7 out of 10. Dribbling, 7 out of 10. Passing, 7 out of 10. Shooting, 7 out of 10. Defending, 6 out of 10. Physical, 5 out of 10. Academy alumni Ilya Hachatilarili. Former scholar Ilya is currently playing for his native Greece, where he has established himself as a regular member 
of the back four. The left-back began his career in Greece, playing for Mayas and training with our Greek academy. After a successful trial period, he signed a two-year scholarship deal and featured for our under-18s. Ilya made 44 appearances and scored one goal for the under-18s before being released in 2016. He then joined Brentford in the summer of that year at another successful trial and signed his first professional contract on August 6th. 2016. He made his debut for the Bees in their 3-1 EFL Cup victory against AFC Wimbledon before being sent out on loan to Cheltenham Town for the remainder of the 2017-18 season. He impressed with the Robins and he played the remaining 18 games of the season as they narrowly avoided relegation to the National League. The defender then returned to Greece and signed for Palo in July 2018 on a free transfer. He was a regular starter and scored three goals throughout the 2018-19 season. So far, Ilias has featured 18 times in all competitions this season as the fourth in the Greek Super League. Well done, Ilia. Academy News. Sheaf nets in defeat. On low midfielder, Ben Sheaf scored in Doncaster Rovers' 2-1 defeat to Gillingham in League One on Saturday, February the 15th. The 22-year-old opened the scoring when he collected the ball with his back to the goal, turned his marker and bent an effort in the top corner from 25 yards out. This was his second goal for the club after signing for Rovers in the summer on an initial six-month loan. That was extended until the end of the season in January. At the time of writing, Doncaster are currently situated in mid-table but are pushing for a playoff place. Matthias starts for Wales. Our under-16 forward, Matthias Robertson, made his first start for Wales under-16s in their 2-1 defeat to Norway. The Wales under-16 manager, Richard Williams, announced the squad that they would travel to LA Massa in Spain for the UEFA under-16 development tournament in early February. The Dragons opened the tournament with a 2-0 victory over Slovakia, before their 2-1 defeat to Norway, where our forwards stayed for the first time. In their final match in the tournament, they drew 1-0 with the Czech Republic, with Robinson coming on as a second-half substitute. Congratulations, Matthias. We hope this is the first of many. Robbie heads to Croatia. Under-23's captain Robbie Burton has left the club to join Dynamo Zagreb on a permanent deal. The 20-year-old midfielder joined the club age six and developed through the ranks at the Arsenal Academy before signing his proper professional contract in August 2018. The season, Burton made 13 appearances in the Premier League too and scored three times, including a fine strike in our 2-2 draw with Derby County at Pride Park. He made his first appearance on the bench for the first team this season when he was an unused sub in the Caribo Cup victory against Nottingham Forest. Premier League, under 18. Saturday, February the 22nd. Arsenal under 18s, 2. Leicester under 18s, 5. Kersion scores a cracker. Gunners concede either side half-time. And Mario made his under 18 debut. A frustrating afternoon at the Arsenal training centre saw us take the league, but ultimately lose 5-2 to Leicester City. In testing conditions, we started brightly and we took the lead inside eight minutes. When Hubert Caracas' clearance fell to Alfie Matthews, 
who controlled well before playing the ball to Captain Kaijan, who drove the ball into the box and fired a powerful effort into the top corner. The visitors hit back two minutes later, capitalising on the uncharamistic error from our keeper as Pennant caught Grayak in two minds before winning back the ball and slotting into an empty net. Within 15 minutes remaining of the first half, Leicester edged in front when Liam Lachlan's cross whipped into the post thanks to the aid of a strong wind before Casey McAteer quickly reacted to head home from a close range. We weren't behind for long as three minutes later Zane Monlius rose highest in the box to power a header to the back of the net following an inch-perfect free kick into the box. On the stroke of hard time, the Foxes regained the lead when Pennant skipped past the challenge and drilled an inviting ball into the box, where Shane Flynn somewhat fortunately took advantage after his initial effort was saved, but the rebound bounced back off the forward before finding the net. Five minutes after the restart, the Foxes doubled their advantage when another whip cross came into the post, was met by Will Russ, who directed the header into the far corner of the net from close range. Siren almost pulled a goal back when he collected the ball on the edge of the box before sliding it home into the defender's legs, but his effort hit the post. In the closing stages, Leicester sealed the three points when the long ball evaded our back line and pennant. Nephew of former gunner, Jermaine, capitalised as he placed a well-hit effort in the bottom corner from the edge of the box. Afterwards, head coach Ken Gillard said the conditions were really poor again. The wind was hard and it was the same for both teams. They seemed to have played the conditions better than us, but we took the lead and it was a really good goal. I really thought the captain took the goal very well. Two minutes later, there was an uncharted mistake and then shortly after that, we made another. The goals we'd been conceding had been very poor and it's come back to haunt us. Having said that, we weren't good enough on the ball or without it. We lost our individual battles in midfield And on days like this, you need to compete and win your battles and you hope that the quality will shine through. Enketia The year 2020 has been something of a whirlwind for Eddie Enketia so far. He started the new decade with his final appearance for loan club Leeds United on New Year's Day, before returning to Arsenal, potentially with a new loan deal lined up for the second half of the season. But after watching him at close quarters in training, new head coach Mikel Arteta had other ideas and named him in the starting lineup for our FA Cup tie at Bournemouth. The 20-year-old striker repaid his manager's faith scoring what turned out to be the winning goal in the first half. A first Premier League start followed in the 4-0 win over Newcastle, and last time out he claimed his first league goal at the Emirates in our thrilling 3-2 win over Everton. But Eddie wants more. Scoring goals is all he's ever known since arriving from Chelsea's youth setup at the age of 16. He netted 70 times at under-18 and under-23 levels in his first four seasons here and is also a regular goalscorer for England's youth sides. So 2020 could well be the year where he shows he can do it at the highest level too. Another goal on Sunday, Eddie. You and Bukayo Saka seem to have a great understanding. We're working very hard. 
Saka's a great player, who's in great form. I'm working hard and doing well myself, so we've got a good understanding, and we've been playing for a while together. I knew he was going to whip it into the dangerous area, and I just tried my best to run in there and get on the end of it. You must have thought you had a second late on as well. Yes, I thought I hit it quite sweetly, so I thought it was going to dip in. That's the second game in a row that I've hit the crossbar. But I'm happy to be a threat and causing chances, and I'm getting closer. I know that eventually they'll keep going in. I'm happy with the goal I got, but it's about improving and hopefully just trying to get more. How was the experience of playing under Marcelo Beal, sir? Playing under Marcelo is very different. The training is a lot different. They are very tactical. He enjoys tactics and he loves football. He's a very demanding coach and always wants you to get to your best by working hard every day. I was able to come out of my comfort zone a bit and push myself. It was my first time moving away from London and that took a bit of getting used to. Obviously, being at a new team with new players, they're not the same style of player at Arsenal exactly. There's different players and it was a different experience to get used to. There were a lot of things to deal with mentally, which I was able to get over with the help of my family and friends close to me. I think I've developed and matured as a person and as a player. It was a great experience, and I'm just trying to use everything to continue learning. Whose decision was it to end the loan deal in January? I was recalled by the club. They came to the decision that it was best for me to come back to Arsenal. But once I came back, I had a little knock from the last game I'd played, so I was just getting assessed and trying to get back to full fitness. While I was doing that, I was able to have training sessions with the team, and we were contemplating whether it was best for me to go out on loan again or stay. The manager had his input, and he was quite impressed with what he'd seen, and thought it was better for me to stay here, and obviously I'm very happy to be here. I've had a few conversations with Mikel, and he respects the environment that I went out into. I went out of my comfort zone at Leeds, and I think he just likes my attitude. I try to give my all, and I think he saw bits and pieces of me at Leeds. How quickly did you settle back into life at Arsenal? Yeah, it's been good. There's a real team bond and team spirit here. I think since I left, the group has got closer, so it was easy to get back into it. I kept in communication with a lot of the boys anyway, especially Reese and Joe. They are two of my closest mates away from football anyway, and we spoke regularly, so I knew what was going on. It makes things easier when you have close friends in the squad. We push each other, train hard together, and obviously it's nice to be out on the pitch with your friends. Also, I was involved in the squad a lot last year, so I know a lot of the other lads too and I'm getting to know them more as people as well. I think that's important, and helps you fight for each other on the pitch. How useful was the recent trip to Dubai in terms of bringing the group together? It definitely helped. We were around each other more often, and we did bonding activities together, which were great. You could see us coming together more as a team and learning about each other.
We are growing as a family. We worked hard in training, but were also able to enjoy the right moments too, like riding camels. Did you speak to Mikkel and the coaching staff too? Yes, we had more time with the coaches, and it was great to learn more about Mikkel's ways and how he wants to play. I think he's just the ideal coach for the club, because he lives and breathes the values of the club. So to be able to learn more about that, and all of the staff, find out what they do day to day to help us achieve our goals, was really useful. Is the Europa League even more important now, given our league position? Well, obviously, we are a big club, so we always want to be fighting for trophies anyway, regardless of league position. The Europa League gives us that chance, and we take every competition seriously. We want to be back in the Champions League, and this competition gives us a chance to do that. We got a good result last week in Greece, and we want to keep running. The competition has been good for you. Yeah, I made my debut against Borisov a couple of years ago. I remember the manager calling me over and me being so excited and sprinting over to him. It's a real sense of achievement after all the hard work that your family and friends have put in and sacrificed to get that day and celebrate it. It will live long with me and my family, and obviously you just want to keep getting more after that. It's definitely something to look back on and be proud of. You've played seven times in the competition now. How have you found it? It's definitely a good test, because you're playing against loads of different teams from all over Europe and lots of different styles. It's good for the young players because we get opportunities and it's a big platform to play on. I'm grateful for the chances I've had and hopefully I can get a few minutes on Thursday and help the team push forward. You were on the bench for the Europa League final. What was that like? It was so disappointing for everyone. When you're that close, you feel it, and the team is really close together. So even when I'm not playing, I want the team to do well and succeed. We put so much effort into getting to the final, so we were unfortunate not to get over the line. But I think it's an experience, and not many players get that opportunity at 19 to be involved in a Europa League final. I'm just grateful for that chance, and I think it can be a learning curve for me and the whole team. Hopefully, we can get in that position again, and this time finish the job. You can see the progression in the team. We're getting closer and closer, and we just want to really focus and do well this year to hopefully turn that maybe into a triumph. All I'm going to be doing is working hard every day in training to hopefully bring us success. Match Report Olympiakos UEFA Europa League Round of 32 First Leg 8pm Thursday, February the 20th Georgios Kariskakis Stadium Olympiakos 0 Arsenal 1 The scorer for Arsenal was Lacazette in the 82nd minute Away fans 1,450 Playing for Olympiakos was 1. Malera de Sar, 14. El Abdelawi, 3. Borja Semedo, 24. Bar, 21. Simikas, 5. 
Puchelakis, substituted in the 65th minute, 8. Gilem, 4. Kamara, 19. Masuras, substituted in the 75th minute, 11. El Arabi, 28. Valbuena, substitutes Alain, Papadopoulos, Cisse, Gaspar, Fortunus, who came on in the 65th minute, Luvera, who came on in the 75th minute, and Rangelovic. Playing for Arsenal were 1. Leno, 5. Socrates, who was substituted in the 90th minute, 20. Mustafi, 23. David Lewis, 77. Saka, 29. Ganduzi, 34. Shaka, 28. Willock, who was substituted in the 75th minute, 14. Aubameyang, 35. Martinelli, who was substituted in the 58th minute, and 9. Lacazette. Substitutes were Martinez, Maitland-Niles, who came on in the 90th minute, Holding, Golazinac, Ceballos, who came on in the 58th minute, Pepe, who came on in the 75th minute, and Anquitia. First half. Arsenal's first leg tie with Olympiacos was a cagey affair, although things might have been different if Bernd Leno hadn't been sharp from the start. The hosts almost took the lead within two minutes, but thankfully the keeper was alert enough to save Mathieu Valpuena's volley. Georgos Masuras then headed over from close range before we finally began to come into the game, and the gunners should probably have gone ahead when Alex Lacazette fired wide after great build-up play from Joe Willock and Gabriel Martinelli. Second half. The tension mounted after the interval as both sides kept one eye on keeping a clean sheet and struggled to create too many clear-cut chances. Lena made a couple of smart stops, but when the home defence began to tire, the gunners sprung into gear to break the deadlock in the final fifteen minutes. It was Lacazette who did the damage, tucking the ball home from close range from Buke Osaka's cross. The Frenchman then forced a save, and Socrates hit the bar, but 1-0 was a job well done. Match stats. Total shots, Olympiacos 11, Arsenal 12. Shots on target, Olympiacos 2, Arsenal 3. Corners, Olympiacos 6, Arsenal 3. Offsides, Olympiacos 2, Arsenal 2. Fouls, Olympiacos 11, Arsenal 14. Possession, Olympiacos 51%, Arsenal 49%. And the captions on the photographs in the hard copy are clockwise from top left. Socrates did a sterling job at right back again for the team. The skipper turns on the afterburners. Joe Willock was full of energy and movement in the midfield. Alexander Lacazette slots home the only goal of the game. Buke Osaka was exceptional as an attacking left-back once again. David Lewis salutes the 1,450 Gunners fans who travelled to Greece. Triumph and Tragedy A look back at Arsenal's highs and lows against Greek opposition. Greece is arguably more famous for its gods than it is for its footballers. Sure, Socrates has a respectable 111,000 followers on Twitter. We know because we're one of them. But Zeus would probably edge him on that if he were around today. Aphrodite definitely would. And okay, the Greece national team certainly enjoyed some divine inspiration when, against all the odds, 
they won Euro 2004. But no Greek team has ever won a European club competition. In fact, only one has ever reached a final, when Panathinaikos lost 2-0 to Ajax in the 1971 European Cup final at Wembley. Despite that, however, Greek teams have made a habit of causing the Gunners problems down the years, and matches between Arsenal and the likes of Olympiakos, Panathinaikos and PAOK have been tight affairs. As history will confirm, it would be unwise to write off tonight's opponents just yet. Panathinaikos nil Arsenal 2, September 16th 1981 Arsenal 1, Panathinaikos nil, September 30th 1981 UEFA Cup first round Terry Neal's side had made a slow start to the 1981-82 season following the controversial sale of striker Frank Stapleton, and Neal knew that an away leg at Panas Leofros would prove a tough test for his young side. Yet despite the firecrackers and the din created by home supporters, his charges acquitted themselves superbly. Firstly, Brian Talbot's sublime flick put Brian McDermott in on goal and he slotted home with great aplomb. Then, in the 66th minute, Neil threw on substitute striker Raphael Mead, who scored with his first touch in professional football to make it 2-0. Kenny Sanson had scampered up the wing, and from the left-back's cross, Mead scissor-kicked the ball home superbly. Panathinaikos rarely travelled the gunners in the Highbury return, and Talbot's goal steered Arsenal to a 3-0 aggregate victory. PAOK 1 Arsenal 0 September 16, 1987 Arsenal 1 PAOK 1 September 30, 1997 UEFA Cup first round Over the two legs in this UEFA Cup clash, Arsenal were unquestionably the better side. But Arsene Wenger's team discovered that failing to be patient in European matches can prove costly. In Salonika, the Gunners went close on several occasions, but a mistake by fullback Lee Dixon gifted a goal to Francikos. Despite Mark Overmars pushing and probing, Arsenal couldn't grab a vital away goal. At Highbury, on an often frenetic night, Dennis Bergkamp's magnificent strike gave Arsenal the lead, but PAOK's stubborn defending and the Gunners' own profligate finishing meant the home side began to tire. We should have slowed the game down more, Wenger later reflected. The still lively PAOK threatened on the break, and Vrijzas grabbed a late equaliser to give his side an equaliser on the night and an aggregate victory, to send the knot of black and white scarf wearing travelling fans in the clock end wild with delirium. Arsenal 2, Panathinaikos 1, September 30th, 1998. Panathinaikos 1, Arsenal 3. December the 9th, 1998. Champions League group stage. Arsene Wenger's side's best form in their inaugural Champions League campaign was saved for their games against the Greeks. Following the decision to switch all of Arsenal's home matches from Highbury to Wembley, the Gunners initially laboured against the visitors, but skipper Tony Adams slammed the ball home to give his side the lead and Martin Keown headed home Emmanuel Petit's corner to score the decisive goal. Unfortunately, Arsenal's defeats in Kiev and at home to Lens meant the last of the six group matches was a dead rubber. A deflected free kick gave Arsenal the lead, 
and Nicolas Anelka and Luis Boamorte gave Wenger's side a 3-1 win in Greece. The young Gunners celebrated the win. The Premier League champions had been heavily criticised by the English media for failing to qualify from their group, but Arsenal were out of Europe. Arsenal 2, Olympiakos 0, September 29, 2009 Champions League Group Stage How we didn't score half a dozen is a mystery, rude Arsene Wenger, after his side swatted away the visitors' challenge at the Emirates. Olympiakos had their goalkeeper, Nicopolidis, to thank for keeping the score respectable, and the woodwork also denied Cesc Fabregas. But a low cross from Eduardo saw Robin van Persie prod the gunners ahead in the 78th minute. Andre Arshavin cleverly flicked home Arsenal's second from a Fabregas through ball with just four minutes left. Arsenal 2, Olympiakos 1, September 28, 2011 Champions League group stage With a clutch of new signings and a chastening 8-2 loss at Old Trafford, the Gunners had endured a torrid start to the season, but a hard-fought win at the Emirates against Olympiakos brought much-needed relief. Newly arrived, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain became England's youngest-ever Champions League scorer when he latched on to an Alex Song through pass accelerated past the defender and slotted home. Brazilian fullback Andre Santos also put the afterburners on down the left and, following a goalmouth scramble and a tee-up from Thomas Rosicki, scrambled home the second goal. David Furster replied for the visitors, but Arsenal held on. Arsenal 2, Olympiakos 3, September 29, 2015 Olympiakos nil, Arsenal 3, December the 9th, 2015. Champions League group stage. Following defeat in Zagreb in the opening group F clash, the Gunners' calamitous 3-2 loss at the Emirates appeared to have scuffered any prospect of progressing from the group. A David Ospina own goal set the tone, and although Alex Sanchez pulled a goal back, Theo Walcott also netted, Finn Bogerson's effort minutes later compounded the home side's misery. Wenger's men rallied thereafter and Arsenal travelled to Greece for the final group game knowing victory would see them through to the last 16. It was to prove Olivier Giroud's night. The Frenchman headed home to make it 1-0 at half-time and following an excellent Joel Campbell reverse pass the Frenchman slammed home a second before completing his hat-trick from the penalty spot. Thirty-five years in the community, taking a look how the young people of Evelyn Court enjoyed a very busy half term. Premier League kicks, Evelyn Court. Arsenal in the community were kept very busy during the half term week, delivering various activities for the young people in Evelyn Court Hackney, thanks to Industrial Dwelling Society IDS. Participants aged 8, 19 from Evelyn Court were kept busy throughout the summer holiday with regular free football sessions, activities and trips. The half-term provision aimed to provide young people regular activities and opportunities during the daytime and evening to keep the young people safe and busy. But also those who are less fortunate to take part in these activities. They might not normally get access to, but when you're being supported, supervised by Arsenal in the community coaches. Here's just a few of the activities that took place at Evelyn Court. 
We deliver the weekly football program every Monday, Wednesday and Friday from 5 till 7 where the participants enjoy taking part in fun games, races and the balance of matches and they were facilitated by the coach. A Shacklewell police visit. Shacklewell police officers attended and enjoyed a kickabout with a few of the children from Evelyn, one of whom commented, I'm surprised, they were pretty good. The police engagement is essential in building a positive relationship with local people and we appreciate their time on the day. Live Premier League game. Arsenal versus Newcastle. The young people were given the opportunity by Adidas to watch a live Premier League game and for some, not only was it their first trip to the Emirates, it was their first live sporting event. Ice skating. The young people were taken to the ice rink of the Sobel Leisure Centre in Islington to show off their skating skills. Again, for some of the participants, it was their first experience of this kind. Trampolining. The young people also enjoyed trampolining. Football session at the hub. We took a number of young people to visit the Arsenal hub where we were put through our paces along with them with the football session delivered by our coaches. Group meal. Finally, we finished the half-term off with a group meal as after the bowling session, it was only fair to treat them to their favourite, a cheeky Nando's. Young people from Evelyn Court attended the relaunch of the Premier League Kicks programme at the Arsenal Hub. The event brought together 100 young people aged 11 to 15 from different parts of Hackney, Islington, Hamden and Westminster. For more information on the Kicks provision at Evelyn Court, then email Ashley King at aking at arsenal.co.uk. Visitors Olympiakos Olympiakos visit Emirates Stadium for the fifth time, needing to repeat the result of their most recent visit if they are to knock Arsenal out of the UEFA Europa League and reach the round of 16. Defeated 1-0 at home in Piraeus last week, the record champions of Greece have it all to do this evening if they are to prolong their lengthy European campaign into March. The Greek side have never been happy travellers to England, losing their first 12 UEFA competition matches here, including three against Arsenal in the UCL, 2-0, 2-1 and 3-1 in successive seasons, from 2010-11 to to 2012-13, to before a 3-2 win against the Gunners in 2015-16, to also in the Champions League group stage. Since then, they have drawn 1-1 at Burnley in last season's Europa League playoffs and lost 4-2 at Tottenham in this season's Champions League group stage. Despite never having won a European competition, Olympiakos have been regular Champions League participants, competing in the group stage on 19 occasions, the same number as Arsenal. Their latest adventure, like all but four of their previous campaigns, ending with group stage elimination, as they finished third behind Bayern Munich and Spurs. The Greek side are playing their 14th European match of the season tonight. Runners-up to PAOK in the Greek Super League last season, they entered the UCL in the second qualifying round, knocking out Victoria Pilsen 0-0 away, 4-0 home, 
Istanbul, Basak Sahir, 1-0 away, 2-0 home, and, in the playoffs, Krasnodar, 4-0 home, 2-1 away, to reach the group stage, where they came from behind to draw 2-2 with Spurs in Piraeus on match day one, but lost their next four games, before salvaging a Europa League spot with a 1-0 home win over Red Star Belgrade that pipped the Serbian champions to third place. On the domestic front, Olympiakos look well set to claim their record-extending 45th Greek league title, having gone unbeaten through their first 25 matches, maintaining that run last Sunday in a top-of-the-table clash at PAOK with a crucial 1-0 win that extended their lead over the defending champions to five points. Olympiakos and PAOK are also set for another showdown in the semi-finals of the Greek Cup, which will be played over two legs in March and April. This is Olympiakos's seventh appearance in the Europa League round of 32, but it has not been too kind to them in the past. They boast just two victories at this stage, knocking out Rubin Kazan in 2011-12 and Osman Lisper in 2016-17. Against that, they have been eliminated in this round by Levante, 2012-13, Dnipro, 2014-15, Anderlecht, 2015-16, and last season by Dinamo Kiev, who drew 2-2 with them in Piraeus before taking the tie with a 1-0 win in the Ukrainian capital. Olympiakos Fact File Nickname, Thrylos, The Legend Founded, 1925. Owner, Evangelos Maranakis. Stadium, Kariskasis Stadium. Most appearances, Kyriakos Karatadis, 363. Record goalscorer, Georgos Sideris, 224. Twitter followers, 111.6k. Instagram followers, 370k. Record titles. Olympiakos have won the Greek Super League a record 44 times. Their latest success came in 2016-17, when they finished six points clear of PAOK. Head-to-head. We faced Olympiakos nine times, with us edging it five wins to four. Last time out at Emirates Stadium in the 2015-16 Champions League, the Greeks were 3-2 victors, thanks to goals from Felipe Pardo, Alfie Vinbogason and a David Ospina own goal. Balkan Best The Balkans Cup was an international football competition for clubs from Albania, Bulgaria, Greece, Romania, Turkey and Yugoslavia, which Olympiakos won in 1963. After a 1-1 draw over two legs in the final, Olympiakos won the playoff 1-0. Joel Campbell Former gunner Joel Campbell spent a season on loan at Olympiakos in 2013-14. He memorably scored the second goal in a 2-0 UCL victory over Manchester United. Derby Day Olympiakos's derby with Panathinaikos is dubbed as the derby of eternal enemies due to its ferocity. The last contest saw Olympiakos record a 1-0 victory 
thanks to Yusuf El Arabi's goal. Brazilian Flair Brazilian legend Rivaldo played for the club between 2004 and 2007, scoring a stunning free kick against Panathinaikos in a derby victory. The World Cup winner lifted three league titles while in Greece. Record doubles Olympiakos hold the record for the number of doubles won in Greek football. The club have won the Greek domestic cup and league during the same season 17 times, most recently in 2014-15. Family Tree Olympiakos are the second team owned by Greek shipping magnate Evangelos Marinakis to come to the Emirates this season. He is also at the helm of Nottingham Forest, who lost 5-0 here in the Carabao Cup in September. Scouting Report Alex Lacazette's late winner in the first leg put Arsenal in control of this Europa League tie, but Olympiakos demonstrated enough attacking quality throughout that match in Piraeus to suggest they could cause problems here. Manager Pedro Martins is a highly rated tactician who performed impressively in his homeland of Portugal by guiding Maritimo, Rio Ave and Vitoria to Europa League qualification. And although he failed to win the league with Olympiacos in his first campaign in charge, he's nevertheless created a cohesive, tactically disciplined unit. Under Martins, Olympiacos are capable of playing in various systems. In recent weeks, he's used 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 and 4-4-2. In the first leg, they started in a 4-3-3, which looked like a 4-1-4-1 without possession, although later switched to 4-2-3-1, which looked more like 4-4-1-1 as Arsenal wrestled control of the game in the second half. Either way, it's likely to be a similar starting eleven. The major goal-scoring threat is Youssef El Arabi, who leads the line impressively and is capable of receiving the ball to feet before laying it off to on-rushing midfielders. He's perhaps not the biggest counter-attacking threat, but he knows how to work the opposition's centre-backs with intelligent movement. Olympiakos's brightest player in the first leg was Mathieu Valbuena, the veteran former France international, who showcased an array of flicks in the opening stages, and also offered some wonderful deliveries, having cut inside from the flank onto his right foot. The diminutive playmaker has always lacked physique, but compensates with his spatial awareness and delicate passes, and also offers a set-piece threat. Jorgos Masuras started the reverse fixture on the right flank, but was replaced by Konstantinos Fortunis, who might keep his place tonight. He's often been used in a number 10 position, so could be key if Martins wants to use 4-2-3-1. Olympiakos offered plenty of threat from their full-back pairing, although they played different roles. Down the left, Konstantinos Tsimikas was heavily involved in build-up play and overlapped regularly, pushing past Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to cause makeshift right-back Socrates problems, while captain Omar Elabdelawi made late runs around the back and was available for quick switches of play. In the centre, Olympiakos are solid and well-organised. Brazilian Gwilham sits deepest and breaks up play, 
while Mohamed Kamara and Andreas Buchalakis are instructed to push up the pitch and press the opposition midfielders. As a result, the defensive line also needs to push forward and close down, which in the first leg meant that centre-backs Usainu Bar and Ruben Semedo often found themselves high up the pitch and forced to foul their man. Both ended the game with a yellow card, although overall both performed well. Olympiacos don't have a good record away in Europe. Excluding qualification matches, they've lost their last 11 European matches on the road. But Martins has created an impressive, tactically flexible side, who went 2-0 up away at Tottenham in November and won't be daunted by the prospect of trying to overturn their first-leg deficit. My Story The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation has helped to fund the Camden Society's Great Escape Programme, which last summer offered a week-long residential activity break to adults with learning disabilities. Fundraising manager Deborah Turton tells us all about it. The Great Escape took 57 adults with a variety of learning disabilities to Woodrow High House, a residential activity centre in Buckinghamshire. The emphasis for the week was on getting everyone active with a lot of time outdoors. The trip provided a fun and stimulating programme, including a wide range of physical activities, sports, swimming, football, archery, rounders and an obstacle course, and outdoor pursuits, orienteering and team adventure games, including woodland den making and fire building plus trips to local tourist attractions, Beck and Scott Model Village and Odds Farm Park. There were also creative pursuits including music making, painting and photography, on top of time for relaxing and socialising. We know from feedback that our Great Escape events really help to enhance people's health and well-being and this trip definitely achieved that. Several attendees who recalled our last Great Escape in 2016 said last year's was better than ever. They loved trying new activities, and these really helped to build their confidence. The social aspect was also really important, because for many attendees, this was the only time they had really had to get together with groups of friends and share extended leisure time. All attendees had learning disabilities, and many had additional needs. These included a wheelchair user with severely limited mobility, one individual who had recently lost a parent, and at least two attendees with very limited financial resources, all of whom desperately needed a holiday, and were able to attend solely due to the generous support of funders such as the Arsenal Foundation. In these cases, we were able to fully meet the cost and enable them to join us because they wouldn't otherwise have been able to make even a small contribution. We are now working to support many attendees to continue the exercise activities they sampled. A number of people were keen to establish one or more sports clubs, and we are now in the process of setting up our own football club. The Arsenal Foundation's funding was vital to enabling us to deliver our residential break for people. Beyond that, 
our wider ongoing relationship with the Foundation and the Club, including support for our employment services, means many service users are now much more aware of Arsenal. And because football is something many of them enjoy, the club's support enhances their sense of being part of a local community. They are aware of the Foundation's support for The Great Escape, and this means a lot to them. For more info, visit www.thecamdensociety.co.uk Arsenal Family At Home with Emmy Martinez Players tell us about how their family life influenced their football careers. Tell us about your family. I grew up with my older brother, my mum and my dad. They all helped me to reach my goals. That was in Mar del Plata in Argentina. It's on the coast, four hours from Buenos Aires. Tell us about the house you grew up in. Me and my brother were born in a house that wasn't luxury at all. Then when I was about five or six, I was living together with my brother, my mum and my dad in the same room for about six months. That was while my dad was building the other part of the house. We loved that place but looking back on it now, it was so hard for us. It was literally just one room, including the kitchen. I remember that time well. Then my dad built a toilet, a room for my mum and dad, and then the kitchen. But we had no door. It was all open, and anyone could come in. Then, after about two or three years, my dad had a good run in his job, and he could finish the house. He wasn't a builder, but his best friend was and so he helped him. My uncle helped as well. Where would you play football? Mostly in the park or in the field near where we lived. It would be me, my brother, my cousin and neighbourhood friend. Do your family still live in the same place? No, they have all moved. It wasn't safe. I moved out when I was 12 to go to Independente, a professional club in Buenos Aires. Then, when I made my pro debut for Arsenal at the age of 17, my parents got robbed three times in one week, so I had to do something about it and make sure they were safe and help them move out. My mum and dad are divorced now. My mum lives in a flat with a sea view in Mar del Plata and my dad has got a beautiful chalet and my brother lives on a private estate with security. I go back there every summer. I love it there and I'm having a place built for me, my wife and my kid near my brother. My parents come over to see me quite often, especially as I have a newborn baby. In fact, they aren't coming to see me, are they? They are coming to see the baby. Do you remember holidays? Well, we lived by the beach, but anyway, my mum and dad couldn't afford for us to go away. We lived in such a great area, though, that we were able to go to the beach in the summer. It was incredible and I'm grateful to have been born in a place like that. Did you have any family pets? Yes, always dogs, my whole life. My first dog got killed when my house was robbed. Then we got a boxer which lived for 15 years and died last year. That was the best dog I ever had. A few years ago when I started seeing my wife, I bought her a Maltese, and now we have a Labrador as well. I've always had dogs. What kind of music did you associate with family life? Me and my brother usually chose the music, and Colombian reggaeton was our favourite. Who took you to training? 
my mum and dad. They both worked, though, so first I would be playing in the field, until it was time to go, and then either my mum or dad would take me. Either by bus, or if my dad was home, he would drive me in his car. What was the family car? It was a Fiat 600. What other sports were the family interested in? We played volleyball on the beach, and at school I played basketball and handball. Are you a close family? Did you have extended family near you as well? Yes, we are very close, but it was basically just the four of us. My granddad and grandma died before I was born, but I saw my uncle a lot, my dad's brother, and my cousin is like a brother as well. Have you got together as a family recently? Yes, I invited them all to my wedding. I had 14 members of my family at my house. Last year, 10 of us went on holiday together as well. But it's difficult because my mum and dad are not together anymore. Other than sport, was there anything you would do with all of your family when you were growing up? Not really, because basically my parents were working hard all the time just to make sure we had dinner on the table. I'm so grateful to them for all the work they did to ensure me and my brother can have the lives we do now. Me and my brother are now able to help them in return to thank them and make sure they don't need to work anymore. It's something we want to do. Did you tell your parents you'd become a footballer? Yes, when I was seven I told my mum I was going to be a millionaire. Not because I wanted to be rich, but because I wanted to be a footballer and really believed I would be. I was so determined to be a footballer and was good at a young age, so I really knew I could do it. I remember one day I was with my mum and we saw a really lovely flat on the beach. I said to her, when I'm older I'm going to buy that for you. And actually she does now own it. I always believed in myself, but I wouldn't be here now if my mum hadn't believed in me too. Because she gave me permission to move to Independente and follow my dream when I was just 12. And that can't be easy for a parent to do. She told me to follow my dream. Go the right way in life. Don't go the wrong way with drugs, alcohol and whatever. She wanted me to make it, but knew it was difficult where we live because it's a rough area. But when I went to Buenos Aires, the club looked after me. Who cooked the family meals? My mum and dad would both cook, and my favourite was Milanese, which is breaded chicken with mashed potatoes. It's a traditional Argentine dish. Who used to watch your games as a youngster? My mum and dad both watched, especially if they weren't working. I used to train with my age group, and then my brother's age group as well. So I was doing about four hours a day. My uncle used to say to my dad that I was doing too much, and it would kill me. My dad always told him that it was what we loved to do, and today my dad always reminds him about what he said. Has there been a game in which that's been really special to a member of your family? Yes, my debut in the Champions League against Anderlecht in 2014. My dad travelled for 21 hours to watch that game. I found out two days beforehand that I would be playing, so I called my dad. He said he would definitely be there, so he got a bus for six and a half hours to the airport, then flew for 13 hours to London, then took another flight to get to Belgium, and then from the airport to the stadium on another bus. He got there just in time for the game and we won, with two late goals. He was crying afterwards, and telling me how proud of me he was. Is there anything from your childhood that you would like to instill in your children? 
Well, me and my wife were talking the other day and said that our son is going to be able to have anything because he has been born into a different life from us. But one thing we are sure of is that we will make sure he keeps his feet on the ground and stays humble. I am going to take him to see where I came from so I can show him how much effort I had to put in to get where I am today. My dream is for him to remain grounded. Arsenal family, at home with Retro. Proud parents, Tommy Caton relaxes at home with his wife Jill and their baby son Stephen in 1985. The central defender had joined the Gunners from Manchester City in December 1983. He left for Oxford United in February 1987 after making 95 appearances for the Gunners. Tragically, Tommy died on April 30th, 1993, aged just 30, following a heart attack. Arsenal Life 44 staff members have worked for the club for over 20 years. This season we hear their stories of club loyalty. Michelle Clark, Position, Accounts Ticketing and Membership Manager. Joined Arsenal, August 1998, full-time. Favourite moments, going to all the many cup finals. Favourite players, I loved Overmars, Wrighty, Vieira and Petit. Also have a soft spot for Freddie. We were both born on April the 16th. Who's David Bergkamp? Stadium manager John Beatty shouted at my boss, Ivan Wurzel. It was 1995, and Dennis had just scored one of his first goals for us at Highbury. One of my matchday jobs was updating the scoreboards on an old DOS-style computer. I changed it as quickly as I could and never got his name wrong again. I had been working at the club on a casual basis for a few years, counting cash on matchdays helping with secretarial duties in the commercial department and stuffing season tickets into envelopes in the old cocktail lounge. My little sister Nadine had been at the club first and once you became known as reliable and hard-working there were lots of jobs to help out with at weekends and in the summer. I've lived in Islington all my life on the border with Hackney. As a kid I remember playing out in the street and cars started beeping their horns. It was 1979, and we'd just won the FA Cup. But we weren't a family of football fans. Most of the time I was helping at Arsenal whilst working full-time at the Abbey National, my first job from the age of 17. When my dad died in 1994, it gave me a different perspective on things. After 11 years at Abbey, I thought there must be more to life and left. I had a young family, so I decided to tempt in PA stroke secretarial and banking roles until the right job came along. Then in 98, Ivan called and said he thought the skills I learned at Abbey, combined with my previous experience in the box office, meant there was a potential opportunity for me. I went in for a trial week and got the job. He didn't mention David Bergkamp. My job was to balance the books at the end of shifts. In simple terms, making sure the money that had come in matched the tickets we'd sold. Using the skills I learned at Abbey, I began to develop the role and build up a team. It was mainly cash and checks when I started, but things have changed hugely. More credit cards, internet banking and reconciliation every day, rather than weekly. It's all encompassing now. We process home and away refunds, payment disputes, investigate fraud, deal with VAT receipts, and now we have tickets through all the different memberships. When I joined, it was just adults and concessions. 
In the old days, lots of the box office work would be done at the windows, but that's not the same anymore, though you do still get the odd black cab driver paying for their season ticket in cash at the window. Old school. Season ticket renewals are our busiest time, always have been, but in general, if we're really busy, that means the team's doing well. When it's hands on deck and everyone's knuckling down, I think that's how we all like it. There's a buzz about the place. We don't get many plaudits in the box office, we don't expect them, but we do work hard in ensuring we provide a good fan experience. Most of the problems we have are in areas where fans are prevented, for whatever reason, to watch the team they love, and people will certainly let you know if they're unhappy. We're on the front line, and we aim to do everything in our power to rectify any problems getting fans into game. You need a pretty thick skin sometimes, but we really do try and give the best customer service possible. There were eight of us in the box office when I started, now there are 50, including a call centre and our own IT team. Sixteen of us have been at the club since Highbury, and we really are a family. We support each other at work and outside of work. We have grown together. Everyone in our department is hard-working. We care about the club and its values. I would call us the engine room of the football club. And it's not just the office staff. It's wonderful to have met so many legendary players over the years and be able to call them friends and share great memories together. Speaking of family, Nadine has been here longer than me. My daughter Simone worked in retail here for 13 years and Nadine's son Ty is in retail too. Don't ask him who he supports. My other daughter Alia also worked on a casual basis in retail for a couple of years. She's now pursuing a singing career and recently won the UK Open Mic competition. Supporters might have seen her on The Voice a couple of weeks ago, representing Arsenal. Look out for her EP soon. I was in the right place at the right time with the right skills to transfer to a role here, and I see it as fate. Being in control of the club's revenue is a huge responsibility, and one I'm proud of, and want to continue to thrive and develop. Importantly for me, I think my dad would be proud of the choice I made, how hard I've worked, how successful I've been, and how I've been part of this great club that means so much to Islington and its people. From when I was young, I always wanted to work in a bank. It was just finding the right position. It couldn't be better than undertaking an important banking role at Arsenal FC. I fulfilled my dream. Premier League match report. 4.30pm, Sunday, February the 23rd, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 3, Everton 2. The game got off to the worst possible start as inside the first minute, Dominic Calvert-Lewin took advantage of some hesitant defending and acrobatically put his side ahead from close range. Iwobi blasted over his Emirates return, but shortly after, Saka replaced the injured Kushnausnik. The teenage left-back sent in a perfect cross for Eddie to finish with a well-taken volley. Shortly afterwards, David Luiz sent Pierre-Emerick back free with a precise pass, and our lead scorer tucked home into the far corner. In first-half injury time, though, Richardson scored a scruffy equaliser. 
We started the second half how the visitors started the first, though we were even faster out the block, scoring barely 30 seconds after the whistle. Nicolas Pepe's right-wing cross was headed home by Aubameyang for his 19th of the season. Bernard Leno was then called upon to make several excellent stops, while Nicolette hit the bar late on. But we were grateful for the final whistle and three valuable points to move us up to nine. My Arsenal. We hear about your heroes, hangouts and heart-stopping moments. Email program at arsenal.co.uk for your My Arsenal questionnaire. Michael Timsey Timms, aged 27, from Elephant and Castle, is a presenter. Why are you an Arsenal fan? My whole family has always been Arsenal. My dad made sure my brother and I grew up supporting the Arsenal. Our granddad was, of course, an Arsenal fan. He actually managed a team back in the day that competed in the same league as Tony Adams' dad, who was also a manager. What was your first Arsenal game? It was against Wimbledon in 1997. Wimbledon beat us 1-0, thanks to Vinnie Jones. I think Anelka was presented to the crowd before the game, as we'd just signed him. Favourite Arsenal game My favourite game ever was beating Barcelona 2-1 at home. In person, though, our FA Cup final win versus Hull City in 2014 was one of the best experiences I've had at a game live. Match day routine before kickoff. Hearty breakfast, coffee, put my Arsenal shirt on, then head to my friend's house near Highbury and Islington to watch the early kickoff before heading to the stadium. Favourite place to eat before a game. Nando's on Holloway Road is nice, but I usually eat at my mate's house. Favourite place to hang out before kickoff. We usually stop off at the Crown and Cannon to catch the last few minutes of the earlier kickoff. How do you feel when you approach the ground? For the last few years, mostly nerves, to be honest. Now, though, I'm pretty excited. The nerves are still there, but our football is back, so it's become less stressful. Where's the best place in the stadium to watch a game from? As nice as sitting in club level is for the view, I have a soft spot for the North Bank Upper. That's where I watched us beat Spurs 4-2 last season. Do you go straight home after the game, or do you go out to celebrate or drown your sorrows? If we win, I go back to my mate's house to re-watch the match. If we lose, it's straight home and straight to bed. Where's the furthest you've travelled to watch Arsenal play? I was in LA last summer to watch us in pre-season, if that counts. Favourite away ground and why? Stamford Bridge since Mourinho left Chelsea, you always feel like you could nab a point or three there. The away end is right next to the pitch, too, so there's more of a chance for scenes. Favourite piece of Arsenal memorabilia? Our 1996 home shirt with Vieira on the back. What's the most obscure piece of Arsenal memorabilia you own? Probably a set of Arsenal curtains, lampshades and bed covers 
from before we changed our crest. Any lucky clothing for matches? I've got a pair of Arsenal boxers that I've worn for some pretty memorable games. Whose name and number do you have on the back of your shirt? I've got Bellerin too from last season. This year I've left it blank, though I may need to put Martinelli on it soon, the way he's playing at the moment. Favourite ever Arsenal shirt? There are so many I love. I can't choose between our Dreamcast home shirt, our yellow Nike Away 13-14 shirt, and this year's home shirt. Any of them I'd be happy with. All-time favourite player and why? Thierry Henry. He was the first player that truly amazed me and made me feel so lucky to watch every week. Do you have an Arsenal cult hero? It's not really cult, but just a hero. Ian Wright. I've been lucky enough to get to know Ian over the last few years, and he's the nicest, warmest, and most Arsenal crazy person I've met. What's the best Arsenal goal you've ever seen live? Henri versus Man United at home in the 03-04 season from 30 yards out. Best debut performance you've ever seen. Masoud's versus Sunderland. The number of chances he created was unbelievable. Have you met any Arsenal players? Growing up, I played for the same team as Tony Adams' son, Ollie, so I got to know Tony well when he was still captain. Now, because of my job, I luckily get to meet quite a few Arsenal players. The first ones I met were Santi, Iwobi and Hector four years ago. Since then, I've met Bellerin many times. Most recently, I filmed with Joe Willock and Rhys Nelson, which was a good laugh. Which current Arsenal player would you most like to go for dinner with? Ober, for sure. He's a good laugh. I get on well with Rob Holding, too. And then Hector, because we like the same food. If you could erase one Arsenal moment from history, what would it be? 2006 Champions League final against Barcelona. 100%. It still hurts to this day. If you could be present at any Arsenal match in history, which would it be and why? The day we won the league at White Hart Lane. To be there when all of the Invincibles squad was celebrating would have been incredible. If you could watch Arsenal play any club side in history, who would it be and why? I'd say Pep's Barcelona side, but we played them too many times, it's painful. Probably the Galacticos side of the very early 2000s. If you could play in any Arsenal team in history, which would it be and who would you replace? Our 08-09 side, I think. We played some unbelievable football that season. To play as a number 10 in an attack that had Chesk, Nasri, Rosicki, Arshavin, Van Persie, Adebayor. Wow! 5. Favourite players 1. Thierry Henry 2. Aaron Ramsey 3. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 4. Bernd Lino 5. Matteo Guendouzi Favourite goals 1. Arshavin vs Barcelona 2. Wilshire vs Norwich 3. 
Fabregas versus Spurs solo goal in. 4. Ramsey versus Galatasaray. 5. Ramsey versus Hull City. Reasons to love Arsenal. 1. Club with such a rich and distinguished history. 2. Always try to play good football. 3. Thierry Henry. 4. Arsene Wenger. 5. Best club in the world. Teams For Arsenal, head coach Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and white socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Masut Ozil. 11. Lukash Torreira. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Rhys Nelson. 26. Emiliano Martinez, goalkeeper. 28. Joe Willock. 29. Matteo Ganduzzi. 30. Eddie Nketiah. 31. Zird Kolasinac. 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper. 34. Granite Sharka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 77. Bukeo Saka. For Olympiacos, head coach Pedro Martins, blue shirts, shorts and socks. 1. Jose Saar, goalkeeper. 2. Hilal Sudani. 3. Ruben Semedo. 4. Mari Kamara. 5. Andreas Bucalakis. 7. Costes Fortunis. 8. Guillaume. 10. Emery Moore. 11. Youssef Al Arabi. 14. Omar El Abdelawi. 16. Robbie Erlen. Goalkeeper. 18. Bruno. 19. Georgos Masuras. 21. Costas Simicas. 22. Maximiliano Lavera. 24. Usianu Bar. 26. Carfu. 28. Mathieu Valbuena. 34. Avrem Papadopoulos. 35. Vasilis Torresidis. 66. Papa Abu Sisse. 76. Bruno Gaspar. 77. Lazaras Christodolopoulos. 97. Lazar Randolovic. 99. Ahmed Hassan. Match officials all from Italy. Referee David Massa. Assistant referees Filippo Melli. Alberto Tagoni. Fourth official Piero Ghiacciomelli. VAR official Michel Fabri. Assistant VAR official Stefano Alassio. Tonight's other Europa League. 8 pm unless stated. Along with the first leg scores Ajax 0 versus Getafe 2. Pesaxe 1 versus Sporting 3. 5.55 pm. Basel, 3 vs. Apoel Nicosia, 0. Benfica, 1 vs. Shakhtar, 2.
Celtic 1 versus FC Copenhagen 1 Espanyol nil versus Wolves 4 5:55 p.m. Ghent nil versus Roma 1 5:55 p.m. Inter Milan 2 versus Ludogorets nil Lask Linz 1 versus AZ Alkmaar 1 5:55 p.m. Malmö 1 versus Wolfsburg 2 5:55 p.m. Man United 1 versus Club Brugge 1 Porto 1 versus Bayer Leverkusen 2 5:55 p.m. RB Salzburg 1 versus Eintracht Frankfurt 4 Sevilla 1 versus CFR Cluj 1 The Arsenal Foundation helping young people fulfill their potential through education and sport. An unmissable lineup on BT Sport, Premier League, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, the Emirates FA Cup, Ladbrokes Premiership, UEFA Super Cup, Bedfred Cup, Gallagher Premiership Rugby, Heineken Champions Cup, European Rugby Challenge Cup, Bundesliga, Vanarama National League, MotoGP. WTA Fight Night Live UFC KFC BBL FIH Hockey World League Barclays FA Women's Super League BT Sport Speedway WRC World Rally Championship Major League Baseball Search bt.com slash sport BT Sport Hello Arsenal we're here with fresh beer. Camden Hell's Lager and Camden Pale Ale are now available from every draft bar at Emirates Stadium. Cheers. Camden Town Brewery, official beer partner of Arsenal FC. Facebook and Twitter, Camden Brewery. Website, camdentownbrewery.com. VAR. What can it be used for? Goals. Offside in build-up. Foul by attacker in build-up. Ball out of play. Penalties awarded, not awarded. Foul inside or outside the box. Foul by attacker in build up. Ball out of play. Red cards correctly given, incorrectly given, not for second yellow card. Or mistaken identity for red yellow card given to the wrong player. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 